Hello and welcome. This is the Sexual Harassment Guru Podcast. I am Julie Steele-Roland, author of The End Game, a training guide for those who truly want to end sexual harassment. And this is where I'm going to address some of the issues surrounding the complex topic of sexual harassment. And these come from experiences and from research and from interviewing people. And my aim is to foster understanding and hopes to ending sexual harassment in the workplace. And this is aimed at everyone, not just people who may have um, been a victim of sexual harassment, but also at people who think, I don't know if I'm doing this or not, and or people who are frustrated by the topic because it is so complex. So I just want to really break it down and make it easier to understand what is sexual harassment and what is not and how we should be dealing with it and hopes of ending it. So I hope that you learned something from this, and I welcome any feedback. You can find me at um, Twitter, I'm Harassment Guru. On Facebook, I am Sexual Harassment Guru, and on LinkedIn, it's Julie Still Rolling. So please reach out, share my stuff, and get in touch if you want to. Thanks. So today's episode is about hookups in the workplace. A study recently showed that more than one-third of American employees have dated a co-worker. This came from Harris Poll's latest annual survey for CareerBuilder. What does this mean for you as an employer? That means that more than likely, people are hooking up. Now, you can't forbid people from hooking up in your workplace, even though it more than likely will end up in a breakup because... I think it's like 69% of people surveyed said that um, if they were in a relationship, it ended in a a breakup. But there are some things that you can do. Now, I recently read a case study from a restaurant in which the supervisor had dated an employee that he was supervising. And when they broke up, he started harassing her. Um, She tried to report the harassment to the manager, and the manager fired her. Now, he fired her for being tardy or something that she had never been written up for anything, and the court found that it was considered sexual harassment, and the company was liable because the manager didn't handle it properly and had retaliated against her. So retaliation is a big part of sexual harassment law, And whenever an employer fires a, basically a whistleblower or reporter, recipient of sexual harassment, then that's when the employer is found liable. So it's important to know that sexual harassment can happen in your workplace. And if you handle it properly, you won't be held liable for it. Now, you will have to handle it properly. So that's the key, and that's what I focus on in my training as the sexual harassment um, consultant. So how do we handle workplace romance? It is very important for you to set ground rules now if you have not already done so and do training for everyone Even if nobody is hooking up or you don't think anybody is hooking up and you have not already set ground rules, now is the time to do it. So you want to adopt a written policy that requires employees to notify you when they are seeing each other. So 
it's difficult because a lot of times um, there are situations that may prohibit the employee from doing this. So you need to address these two. Um, and a lot of this aligns with your company's values. So, for instance, if an employee is dating someone who is married and therefore they are carrying out an extramarital affair, they, of course, would not want to report this openly because they, you know, probably don't want everyone to know. So you also have to address issues like that and make sure that you handle the information that you get properly because if you are, if it isn't, is it, if it is a situation like that, you wouldn't want to, um, you know, violate their privacy. And again, you can establish these, and as long as you establish them and you make them clear, these guidelines, and you make them clear and you train people, then you are putting yourself outside of that area of risk with liability. So first of all, so number one, you want to Adopt a written policy that requires employees to notify you when they start dating. Uh, number two, you want to adopt a policy that outlines how a work workplace relationship can be conducted. So you want to make sure that in the policy you talk about... Um, like what what they can do and what they can't do. Uh, sorry, I'm having difficulty expressing that. Let me think about some examples. So you want to make sure that you prohibit any um, anything that's sexually suggestive or physical activity. PDA, kissing and hugging, um, making gestures at each other, even saying, like, talking dirty in front of other people, uh, you don't, they can't have, they can't be sending each other pictures or any of that on company property. So you want to make sure that you are very clear about those rules. You also want to have them sign a contract. Some places call this a love contract. I think that may be a little bit, um unprofessional so but you can call it whatever you want but you want to make sure that you have gotten them to sign this agreement saying that they understand you know what they are required and what they are not allowed to do if they enter into a relationship in the workplace you want to give um, both of the parties a copy of your sexual harassment policy and make sure that they understand it and that they um, should report anything that um, complicates the relationship to the correct person. So, for instance, if they have a breakup, then that needs the manager needs to be made aware of that so that any extra training can be done in sexual harassment or any situations can be um handled properly. Let's see. If you, of course, don't want to have supervisors or 
anyone that is on a higher level of management dating someone who is um, their supervisee or the people that they manage. Now, you can prohibit that, and some people do. However, if you decide that, or if people come to you and say, we're in this relationship and we don't know what to do, but this is my supervisor, there are some ways to handle that too. So you want to make sure that if it's possible, which I would hope that it would be, that you could transfer the supervisor to another department, the supervisee to another department. However, I do understand that this may be complicated. So maybe a shift change would be in order. And of course, both parties would have to agree to that. You couldn't force that upon them, but you could make them see that that would be in their best interest because other people can make claims against them if they do anything like show favoritism, and that would be called quid pro quo harassment. And I found it very interesting to find out that quid pro quo does not have to be filed by the recipient of sexual harassment. Quid pro quo can actually be filed by a third party that's not involved in the action at all. So, for instance, let's just say you work at a restaurant and you're dating your supervisor, and your supervisor gives you a promotion to uh, lead cook or whatever, whatever your position is, gives you a promotion. Well, if someone else had applied for the same promotion, had the same qualifications, but didn't get it, then they could consider that quid pro quo because they know about your relationship and they would feel like that was a form of discrimination against them. So... You want to make sure that the parties are not being um, showing favoritism. So one of, the best way to do that is to make sure that the neither party of the relationship supervises the other. So you can do a transfer or, you know, sometimes people even agree to quit their job if the relationship is that um, serious. But that, of course, has to be something that you would address and make sure that you handle that properly. Um, let's see, what else? Of course, you, you always want to, anytime that you implement something new, you always want to train everybody on it and get it in writing that they have received the training. You can make sure that supervisors know about um, any relationships that are reported to you and that way that they could also report any behavior that might consider not might be considered sexual harassment. The best thing to do is to be on top of it and not to say, well, you know, they hooked up, so that's not on me. Because you have to remember that as an employer, you're responsible for what happens to your employees on the job and sometimes off the job, actually. So being this nonchalant about it can be detrimental. It's best to be proactive, train everyone, be clear in your policy, make sure that you are addressing any issues that come up and don't retaliate against someone who reports sexual harassment. 
that is when they have a claim. A lot of people say, I'm being sexually harassed. They come to me and I'm like, I am not the person to help you. You need some other help. You actually need your company to do better by you. But um, I'm being sexually harassed, but I'm scared to report it because I know that I'm going to lose my job. And I want to say to them, sweetie, that's when you have a claim because, you know, sexual harassment can happen and it's inevitable. It is happening. The statistics show it. The numbers show it. The reports are increasing by the day, and not just in Hollywood, but everywhere. And it can happen, but the way that a company handles it is what makes the difference. So if they're being if you're being sexually harassed and you don't report it, it's vice versa. If you are responsible for what happens to you and the company is responsible for the way they handle what happens to you. So I I really um, do enjoy talking about this, which may sound strange, but because it's so challenging and because I like to clarify those things for people and I really want to help organizations um, better themselves by understanding all of these complex issues. (music) 